Hello and welcome to episode 89 of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridan. In this episode, I'll be talking about the Queen's funeral. I'll be thinking about how death affects me personally. And I'll be taking a look at what's going on the other side of the world over in the Ukraine. So today it's all about death, which I know, I know it's not a particularly nice subject to speak about, but we are surrounded by death. And today was, of course, the Queen of the United Kingdom's funeral. She was laid to rest today. I don't know about you, but Funerals always make me think about life and death and mortality and the people that I love. Even now, if I see a funeral procession going by with a hearse, I will stop and face the hearse. And if I'm wearing a hat, sometimes I'm wearing a cap, uh, I'll take my cap off and just bow my head for a moment or two. I think it shows respect. I don't know if it's particularly something that happens as much these days. You know, sometimes you'll see a funeral procession go by and people just carry on doing whatever they're doing, walking up the street, doing their shopping. Um, But I think it's a respectful thing just to stop for a few moments, even if you don't know the person. And of course, today we've seen that in the many tens of thousands of people paying their respects to the Queen as she was processed through London. So it's been a momentous day today. The Queen of the United Kingdom and Commonwealth Nations has been laid to rest in St George's Chapel. I've read quite a few news outlets referring to the Queen as having been buried Although that's rather a misnomer because she's actually resting in a vault. She was lowered into a vault in St George's Chapel alongside, of course, her late husband, Prince Philip, who died last year, as well as other members of her family, her mother and her father, King George VI. So buried isn't really the right word because the coffin didn't really come into contact with any earth as in a normal burial, other than it is believed that King Charles uh, placed a handful of earth onto her coffin, which is something that Queen herself did when she placed her own father in uh, the vault in St George's Chapel way back in 1952. Prince Philip's coffin was actually relocated in order for the Queen and the Prince to be together in their final resting place. So today, September the 19th, brings to an end the monarchy as I've known it for all of my life. Prior to the coffin being lowered into the vault, the crown, the orb and the scepter were removed from the top of the coffin. These items, of course, symbolised the monarch's power and governance. And so removing 
the crown, the orb and the scepter from the coffin was symbolic of the Queen being removed from her 70-year reign as monarch. Something interesting I found out today, the title Queen of England actually doesn't exist at the moment. The uh, late Queen Elizabeth II was in fact the Queen of the United Kingdom. Until the early 17th century, of course, England and Scotland were two completely different kingdoms, completely independent from each other. But upon the death of Queen Elizabeth I of England, she was indeed the Queen of England, upon her death in 1603, the English crown actually passed to the next available heir to the throne, which was her cousin, uh, James VI, who was at the time King of Scotland. So James VI actually became King of England and Scotland, and this was known as the Union of the Crown. James was very keen on a united Great Britain, a united England and Scotland, but at the time there wasn't an awful lot of enthusiasm for this idea from Westminster at the time. But in 1604, King James VI of Scotland and the first of England, <laughs> which was rather confusing, decreed that he would no longer be known by two titles. He would be known as the King of Great Britain. It wasn't until 1707 that Wales became part of the Kingdom of Great Britain and then later the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland in 1801. So Queen Elizabeth II was not the Queen of England. She was, in fact, the Queen of the United Kingdom. Of course, now we have a king of the United Kingdom, Charles III. And over the next months and even years, there's going to be a number of changes to some of the things that we're familiar with. Things like stamps and coins, as I mentioned in my Last podcast with coins, the monarch's face alternates from left to right with each passing monarch. So we're going to eventually end up with coins with King Charles III facing to the left. Our passports, of course, will change at the moment. Our passports state the name of Her Majesty, so that will need to be changed to His Majesty. At the moment, the stamps and the coins with the Queen's face on are still valid, but I guess in due course we'll be told that they're being phased out for the new ones. Another interesting thing, of course, that we'll need to change is post boxes. If you've ever noticed on the doors of the post office, the Royal Cipher appears. On most post boxes you'll see now, it's E2R which stands for Elizabeth II Regina, for the late Queen Elizabeth. As of yet, we don't know what the new royal cipher will actually be, but at his Ascension Council speech, King Charles III actually wore a tie-pin showing the letters G, 6 in Roman numerals, and R, 
which of course was his maternal grandfather, King George VI. So perhaps King Charles's new royal cipher will be C3R. Who knows? Uh, We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. All kinds of other institutes will be changing from Her Majesty to His Majesty. Uh, We've got the Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, for example. Um, We've got Her Majesty's Prisons. All of these things will need to be changed to His Majesty. So quite a lot of work involved in that and quite a lot of expense, I would have thought, as well. Lastly, there are tons of products that have been granted a royal warrant, meaning that the the company that makes the products supplies the royal households on a regular basis. Companies like Heinz, uh, Nestle, Fortnum and Mason provide uh, tea bags <laughs> to the royal household. So all of these will have their royal warrants actually revoked at this point. They're not allowed to display their previous warrants and they will all have to reapply to the new king, King Charles III. And it's down to him whether or not he decides to grant a royal warrant uh, for these products again. So I guess it's it's just down to what sauce or tea bags <laughs> the new king likes. Now that uh, the Queen has been laid to rest, I guess it will be a case of getting back to some sort of normality, uh, both for the country and also for the royal family. I couldn't help thinking what a very difficult 11 days it's been since the passing of the Queen Uh, Just for the royal family themselves, I can only imagine the amount of ceremony and the amount of appearances they've had to make has been exhausting, I would have thought, as, you know, much as a a big send-off is a great thing, at the same time, I would imagine that will have been very draining for Charles and uh, the rest of the family. And it's not all over. Yet, Um, obviously, Charles is now king, but we've still got the coronation to look forward to. That's when Charles is officially crowned. Um, We're not sure when that's going to be yet. Apparently, it could be as late as the spring or even the summer of 2023. So it just allows for a period of mourning for the late monarch before the new monarch takes on the actual crown. That, of course, will take place in Westminster Abbey, as has been the case for every single coronation since the year 1066, which is before the actual current abbey was was even built. The late Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, was crowned there on 2nd of June 1953, and she was the 39th sovereign to be crowned at Westminster Abbey. So Charles, King Charles III, will be the 40th monarch to have a coronation at Westminster Abbey. Something we sometimes forget, of course, is that Prince Charles was around at the time of his Mother's coronation, of course, he was only a little boy at the time, but he was the first kid to ever witness um, his parents' coronation as sovereign. And apparently he received a special hand-painted invitation to his mum's coronation, 
Back then, the coronation was the first ever live televised event. For most people, it was the first time they'd even watched a TV. Many people bought TVs just to watch the coronation. Of course, these days, everything's changed, hasn't it? The coronation will be viewed around the globe on the internet when it uh, when it comes around next year. One little known fact is that coronation chicken was actually invented for the coronation. It was invented for foreign guests um, after the coronation. Uh, the food was prepared in advance and a florist known as Constance Spry uh, proposed a recipe of cold chicken in a curry cream sauce with uh, seasoned dressed salad made up of rice, green peas and mixed herbs. And this recipe went on to win the approval of the Minister of Works and has ever since been known as Coronation Chicken. I wonder whether anything like that will be invented for King Charles. So, yep, we come to the end of an era, the end of a monarch, but not the end of the monarchy. It continues on in Charles III and no doubt will continue further with William and then his son, George. Just on a personal level, um, even though I was saying the other day that I'm not particularly grieving the passing of the Queen, at least not in the sense that I understand grieving, I always find that funerals are one of those things that make you, they make you contemplate, don't they, life, death mortality and never more so when you have loved ones of your own that are getting along in years um for me personally i've lost my own mum as i explained in my last podcast i lost my mum back in 2015 and her passing was very sudden she basically went on holiday on friday she said goodbye And by the following Sunday, she was dead. She had a massive cardiac arrest. And my dad was with her at the time that she died, which was quite traumatic for him because he had to perform CPR. But it it was no good. She'd, uh, she'd, She'd gone almost instantly from a massive coronary aneurysm. And as I explained in my last podcast, we didn't actually have a funeral for my mum. Uh, It was just decided at the time by my dad and I agreed. I thought it was a good idea at the time that we didn't, you know, we just kept things very simple. Uh, She didn't have an actual funeral. I believe she was cremated and her ashes scattered somewhere, but we, none of the family were present for that. We just simply had a memorial service down at the Kingdom Hall where one of the brothers in the congregation that knew her fairly well gave, um, gave a talk basically about her, although the Jehovah's Witness funerals never really eulogised the deceased as such. They're more about the resurrection hope for the future and all about my mum coming back to life on a paradise earth in uh, in the future. Of course, at the time, that was something I believed, but at the time I felt I myself should I die, would go to heaven. So the idea of ever seeing my mum again, um, certainly on a a human level, was not really something I entertained. It was all very quick. It was all very sudden. And I didn't really grieve. I 
still don't think I've grieved about my own mum. And that brings me to think about my dad, who is 84 years old now. He's been a Jehovah's Witness all his life. It's all he's ever known. Um, I'm third generation Jehovah's Witness. It's all I ever knew. And the sad thing is that ever since I left Jehovah's Witnesses, and particularly since I decided I wasn't going back to Jehovah's Witnesses, the day that I told my dad I I wasn't going to return to Jehovah's Witnesses, I wasn't going to get reinstated this time around because I no longer believe it's the truth. Um, The last thing my dad said to me was, I'm choosing my faith over your apostasy, which is the way that he views me now, as an apostate, which is very sad um, because I always loved my my dad, but he's had nothing to do with me for getting on a couple of years now. And that's just because I don't share the same religion as him, which I think is very sad and a massive waste of time that we could be spending together. Of course, I'd like nothing more than to continue to have a relationship with my dad, but he's adamant that all the while I don't serve his God, his God, Jehovah, that uh, the right thing and the moral thing for him to do is to treat me as dead, effectively to cut me off. And this is not unusual in my case. This kind of thing is happening across the board with families, people that leave Jehovah's Witnesses all the time are being cut off by their families. And quite often it's, it's, a, it's very final. In the event that my dad should die, I may get a phone call. I may, I may not from people that know my dad, maybe one of the elders in his congregation or possibly uh, one of my family to tell me that my dad's passed. And I should imagine I would be welcome at any funeral that took place, if indeed any funeral did take place. Um, Welcome is (laughs) perhaps a little bit of a stretch. If I was to go along to my dad's funeral, I can quite imagine that I would continue to be shunned. Uh, You might get one one or two elders come up to you as a disfellowship person and, you know, get express their condolences but I guess it's not guaranteed and the thing is I've been asking myself would I actually go along to that funeral and hopefully this doesn't sound heartless but I don't think I would actually Um, I have no part with Jehovah's Witnesses as an organisation anymore and everyone that knew me when I was a Jehovah's Witness has chosen to cut me off as if I am dead uh, without a funeral <laughs> for the past three years. So why would I? Why would I want to go along to a memorial service where basically the room would be full of Jehovah's Witnesses that, in any other circumstances, would completely ignore me and treat me like shit? So uh, no, I don't think I'll be going along to my dad's funeral when it when it occurs. Um, He's made it very clear he doesn't want me in his life um, unless I'm a Jehovah's Witness, and I'm not, and I never will be. So that's something that's been on my mind this week, I guess, with the the passing of the Queen. 
sometimes it just makes you think of your own relationships, doesn't it? When you uh, when you see some other person's funeral and other families grieving, as indeed the royal family are. Something I found interesting this week, staying on the subject of death and funerals, is that in the Ukraine, in a place called Izium, um, a Ukrainian city that was taken by the Russians, um, it's just been liberated by the Ukrainian forces and they've actually gone and found a mass burial site containing around 440 graves. So far, I understand they've exhumed about 140 of the people buried in those graves and they're trying to identify who they are. At least two children are among those and I'm sure there will be more. The question, of course, is how did these people die? Um, Some apparently did die because of the airstrikes. There will have been a lot of bodies from that. Um, There are some that have been actually shot dead. And I think the question on everyone's minds at the moment is, are these people collateral damage from the actual fighting or were these people actually murdered? Are they civilians? Obviously, there'll be a lot of work going in forensically to try and identify who these people are, as well as exactly how they were killed. But it just struck me, you know, the other side of the world, there's situations like this going on. And if I'm honest, I don't know as many people in the UK today will have really thought about that, about what could potentially be atrocities committed by the Russian forces. You know, we've We've been concentrated on uh, our Queen's burial today, as indeed we should have been, I think. You know, she was a monarch of 70 years and it was completely fitting and appropriate that she should have that big send-off. But it just struck me, you know, that death never stops. It never stops for anybody. And while we're commemorating the life of a monarch in our country, And the Commonwealth is also commemorating that around the world. There are deaths, you know, by the hundreds that are occurring as a result of war and potentially atrocities here. It kind of makes me feel rather privileged and lucky, regardless of any trauma that I've been through in my life personally. You know, it could be worse. And for a lot of people around the world, it often is. Anyway, that's all from me this time. Thank you for listening again. Join me again soon. Bye for now.